All right, one thing, if you guys didn't come at Christmas Eve, one thing that you did really miss is Jim, Jim preached, did a great job preaching, and, and one of the things that he shared was that he was kind of a, a I don't know, a guru of, of, of romantic movies. He says, you know, I just love romantic comedies and romantic dramas. He says, I love all romantic movies, and he, plot, he, he mapped out, he got his little whiteboard thing that he does, and he, he mapped it all out of what a romantic comedy looks like. And, and I'm sitting back there listening to it, and I'm going, hey, you know, that guy does know what he's talking about, until he used the example of the very best romantic movie that he knows. And he starts talking about a movie that has orcs in it, and, and you cut heads off and catapult them up against walls. And, and, then, and then he's going, but it was such a romantic movie with that elf that, that, you know, and Aragon. And I'm like, you're talking about Lord of the Rings as the best romantic movie you know? He must be a guru of love, love and romantic movies if, if he's finding that one as a romantic movie. So I watch, I'm going, all right, Jim, I'll give you that. But here, for me, I, I, I'm a more simple guy, and I just love straightforward romantic comedies, romantic movies. I like the simple ones. One of my favorites is a movie called Under the Tuscan Sun, okay? And this one is, is the reason why it's one of my favorites is because Diane Lane is my Hollywood crush, okay? I'll admit that. She's my Hollywood crush. And, and, and you might be going, that, you shouldn't have a Hollywood crush. You're married. Jackie's Hollywood crush is Daniel Craig, and, and I can't keep up with him. He's Bond, for crying out loud. So, so if she gets to, to have a crush on Daniel Craig, I get to have a crush on Diane Lane. There's a scene in this movie that I want to show you guys because it actually has something to do with what we're talking about with On Purpose. Watch this little scene. This house has three bedrooms. What if there's never anyone to sleep in them? And the kitchen, what if, what if there's never anyone to cook for? I do. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, you idiot. I mean, you, you're the stupidest woman in the world. You bought a house for a life you don't even have. Why did you do it then? Because I'm sick of being afraid all the time and because I still want things. I want a wedding in this house. I want a family in this house. Signora, between Austria and Italy, there is a section of the Alps called the Semeri. It is uh, an impossibly steep, very high part of the mountains. They built a, a train track over these Alps to connect uh, Vienna and Venice. They built these tracks even before there was a train in existence that could make the trip. They built it because they knew someday the train would come. All right, then an orc came in and, and killed one of them and stole a ring off of the other girl, and then they went and... <laughs> I love it. Uh, hey, hey, what, what he was saying there is there's this, there's this railway um, between Italy and Austria that, that's, um, that, that, this, that has a part to it through the Alps that they built these tracks up right up into the, the height of the Alps. And, they, and he said they built it before there was ever a train that was built that could actually make that trek over that. You guys, when you start a church, a lot of times that's the way you feel. 
You feel like you're just going, God, you're telling me to lay some, some, some train tracks down and then see where you're going to go. And you build it before there's really much there. And then, and then here comes that locomotive that is the Lord that's going to go, and here's where we're going. And here's where I need you to lay it next because here's where I'm going. Get on board this train. That's the way it feels when you first get started. In fact, there's a person right now, a guy named Doug Weckerman, that was part of the start of Ascent. If you were here five years ago, you knew Doug too. He was hanging these curtains right here with us. After a couple of years of working here, he went down and worked at Red, Red Rocks Church. And today, he and a couple of his friends from University of Colorado that met in our college ministry there, are there today is their first day of, um, of their church. They're, they're, they're meeting this afternoon is their first service that they're going to have together. And I guarantee you, Doug is feeling that right now. He's feeling like we're just, we're laying this out and who knows what the Lord is going to do. Well, that's what happened with us. We just, we just said, what's God going to do? And we've, we've climbed on board that train ever since then and have just gone where God wants us to go. And in the midst of that, those words have really emerged. In the midst of that, we're we saw that God is going, make this a generous church. You're going to have generous people in this church. Make this accessible. Make this personal. Take risks. Trust that I'm right there with you. And the one we want to talk about today is make this be an inspiring church. Follow my lead and inspire and have people inspire each other in the midst of it. So I want to talk more about the word inspiring and what's it look like to be an inspiring church and what's it look like to live lives that are inspiring. You guys, I went to the definition for inspire, and, and the definition was inspiring to me. Look at what it says. The definition says that the one was to breathe in, to inhale, that that was one of the definitions for inspires, to breathe in and inhale. You guys, we're going to unpack that a little bit because that's powerful as, as, we, as we start looking at what God has done and doing in our lives. And when we start thinking about the words breathing in and to inhale, that's, that's inspire. And the next, the next one was this. To fill someone with the urge or ability to do or to feel something, especially to do something creative. Wait till we unpack that part of it too. And we see what God has in store for us as he breathes in his life into us. And then as he fills us with the urge and the ability to do something creative. Man, that's, that's what God's doing around here. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more, okay? Now, you see the breath of God throughout Scripture. You see it. You see it right from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So you read that and you go, see, God's breathing in life into this, in, into Adam. And then, in, and then you go further. You get into a book like Job. See, Job's one of my favorites because Job was a, a guy that had it all. And then gradually things were taken from him. And then he had some friends that were coming in. And those chapters in Job on the advice from the friends, man, they're trying to, they're telling him, you're, you're bad or God's bad or this is why this is happening. And Job's fighting with these guys going, that's not right. And they weren't right. And Job finally says to him, he says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now, we read through that, and about, uh, there's probably 50 more passages of Scripture about the breath of life in the Bible. And, and, and we read them, and we just keep right on going. 
But if we really, really grab hold of what that means for us, that God has breathed into us, and when we take in that breath, what's happening? And that's what, that's what it looks like to be inspired by God. Now, now, I heard someone talk about this, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago. I heard a pastor talk about this exact subject, and it has stuck with me. It was a, his, his name was Rob Bell, and, and, and some of you, um, you know, you, you might be familiar with some of the NUMA videos that he did a while ago, and we got them, and as college pastors, all of us college pastors got these videos, and, and, uh, and they were so good that we all watched them, and then we all went out and bought really thick black-rimmed glasses because we wanted to look just like Rob Bell because he was the cool guy. And, but... but you, you know, nowadays, some of, Rob has got some, some, uh, some theology that's, that people have questioned, and so some people might like him or dislike him now. But the reality is, the things that he shared in some of those videos were powerful truths. And there was one that he gave around the breath of God that I have never forgotten. I was going to summarize that this morning for you guys, summarize what he said. And then I thought, you know what, I can't summarize this. He does it too well the way he shares it. So I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm sharing my sermon. I'm going to share it with Rob. And Rob's going to give a little bit of thought around the the breath of of God in our lives, okay? So I'm going to show some of this video, not all of it, just a few minutes. So settle in and take a look at what Rob's talking about with the breath of God. Each day, we take about 26,000 breaths, which is somewhere around 14,000 liters of air. And we should breathe from our stomach, not our chest. But when we're distracted, when we're stressed, when we're moving too fast, we tend to breathe from our chest. We take somewhere between four and six breaths a minute, but, but most of us on average take between 16 and 20 breaths a minute. And experts say that from our breathing, we should get 99% of our energy. And they say that most of us only access 10 to 20% of that energy. I mean, with all that all of us have going on every day, I mean, who actually thinks about their breathing? Now, there's a story about a shepherd named Moses who's living in a land called Midian. And God appears to him, speaking to him through a burning bush. And God says, Moses, take off your sandals because the ground that you're standing on is holy. Now Moses has been walking this land for 40 years. I mean, it isn't as if the ground all of a sudden became holy. The ground didn't just change. It's It's that Moses becomes aware of it, which raises the question for us. Are we standing on holy ground all the time, passing burning bushes on the left and the right. And because we're moving too fast and we're distracted, we miss them. Now God has heard the cry of his people who are in slavery in Egypt, and he wants Moses to go rescue them. And Moses says, well, well, if I go to these people and I say to them that God wants to liberate them, they're going to say to me, well, what is this God's name? So Moses says to God, what is your name? And God responds, Moses, you tell them, the Lord sent you. Now this name, Lord, if you're reading it in an English translation of the Bible, the name is spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The name appears in the Bible over 
thousand times. But, but it wasn't originally written in the English language. It was written in the Hebrew language. And, and in Hebrew, the name is essentially four letters. Uh, we, we would say Y-H-V-H. But in Hebrew, the letters are pronounced Yod, He, Va, He. Now some pronounce the name Yahweh or Yahweh. Although in many traditions, the name isn't even pronounced because it's considered so sacred, so mysterious, so holy. In fact, the ancient rabbis believed that these letters were actually, they function kind of as vowels in the Hebrew language. They, they believed that they were essentially kind of breathing sounds and that ultimately the name is simply unpronounceable because the letters together are essentially the sound of breathing. Yod, he, va, he. Is, is the name of God the sound of breathing? I mean, you got to think about that. It makes you think a little bit more than it just being, okay, so God breathed into me. You just kind of skim over that and move on. It makes you think a little bit more. He, he's breathing into us. Life. But there's even more than that. Listen, listen to how he finishes. I one more minute. Let me listen to how he finishes with this. In the Bible, the word for breath is the same word as the word for spirit. In the Hebrew language, it's the word ruah. And in the Greek language, it's the word pneuma. Like one scripture says that when God takes away the ruah, the breath of all living creatures, then they die and return to the dust. But when God sends the ruah, the spirit, they are created. Breath, spirit, same word. And, and the first Christians took hold of this idea, but then they took it way farther. They actually believed that the spirit of God resides or could literally dwell, live, in a person. One scripture in Romans 8 says that if the pneuma, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then God will give you life. Man. He's not talking about life of just surviving. He's not talking about life that's, that's, that's you know, I, so I'm just breathing today and I'm getting through it. He's talking about how he is breathing into us life. And the Bible tells us it is life that is truly life. And that's what God is doing. When we look back at, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the definition, that's what he's doing. He's breathing into us. You go back and look at these passages and back to Genesis 2. Let's go back and read through those same ones again. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, life that is truly life. And the man became a living being. You can see why Job argued the way he did. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. He's looking to his friends and he's going, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's far beyond what you guys are trying to explain to me. 
You guys are trying to tell me that this is a God that doesn't care. This is a God that has left you. This is a God that's left you because you've done poor things. And he's going, no, no, the Spirit of God has breathed life into me. And then what, what Rob's talking about, John 20, 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Ruah. Receive the Holy Spirit and let that set up shop within you. Let God actually be present within you. Let him breathe that breath in you and be present in you. Man, I was, watching, I was going through Facebook last week and someone posted this from Ann Voskamp and she said this and I thought, this is exactly what we're talking about. She said, this isn't Sunday school cliche. This is real world oxygen. It's real world oxygen. Oxygen that God is, it's, it's God is breathing into us life that is truly life. And the definite definition says we breathe it in and then it says this. You got that second part of that definition. It says, and then it says, fill someone with the urge or ability to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. Catch both of those together. Put them both together. He's breathing life into you. He's breathing life into me. And when we take that in, God is filling us with the urge or ability to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. God has made every one of us to be creative, to have gifts, to do something powerful. And he's, and he's breathing into us and bringing that out. And that's life that is truly life. And we start to embrace that. That's life that is truly life. When we start to recognize that God is breathing his breath into us and we can take that in and he's bringing that stuff out of us and we start to go, what? that's life. And you can argue. You can say, well, I don't have anything creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I don't have any skills. You can argue that. But you're arguing against what God has created you to be. You're arguing right against God's creation. You're saying, well, he must have forgotten about me. But he hasn't. And he inspires us because he breathes in and then he pulls that out of us. Now, that's us individually Picture with me for just a second what it would look like if, we, if, 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 if a group of people, if a group of people were recognizing the breath of God breathing into them. We're recognizing that as we take that in and it brings out this, this creativity and this ability and these skills and the stuff that's going to impact the world. If a group of people actually did that, what might happen? You guys, that is the local church. That's what Jim and I, when we, we started this church, we believed in the power of the local church. The local church is not brick and mortar. It's not a building. The local church is a movement. It's a movement of people that are recognizing God's inspiring me and I'm, when this is coming out of me and when I have somebody around me that will encourage that, when I have somebody around me that will pull that out of me, when I have somebody around me that will, that will challenge me in that, when I got someone around me that's going yes and spur me on with that, that is the local church at work to do powerful things for the kingdom. That's a local church that is inspired. That's a local church that is, that is the bride of Christ. 
The church is the bride of Christ, and he's going, with all the warts and everything that happened within it, if we recognize that God is breathing in, and he's bringing out these gifts, and we're utilizing them together and encourage each other in them, what can be done for the kingdom of God? That's an inspired church. That's the kind of church we want to be. Now, with that, we get marching orders. With that, we get marching orders from God going, man, lay the tracks right here. We're going to drive the train through this place. We get marching orders. The marching orders that we're clinging on to right now is marching orders that we find in Isaiah 54, okay? These are what, this is what you need to know for us as a church and hopefully for us individually too. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 54, this prophet in the Old Testament. It's an odd passage, so let's, we'll get through it, okay? It says this. It says, sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy. You who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than her who has a husband, says the Lord. So do you see why we're inspired by that? No, we'll keep going, keep going. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. Isaiah's talking about the church. And he's saying, let's go back to that single barren woman. He's saying, look, look, you might feel like you've never produced anything. You might feel like you've got nothing to give. You might feel like I've got too much baggage for me to invest in this. You might have had awful church experiences. You might have put your weight down on on, on something where a church has just flat disappointed you. A person up in front has disappointed you. You might remember back when you were once doing this stuff and you were once saying, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm breathing it in and I'm letting it out. You might, you might remember a day that you were like that, but not anymore and you feel like you're not producing anything anymore. You might have all kinds of issues. But he's saying, he's saying in this moment, yes, those are all circumstances that we've dealt with. But in this moment, in this place, right now, I am present, and I've got something in store for you. And he's saying, so get ready. Get ready, because I'm going to do something powerful here, and you will think that it's impossible, but it's going to be possible because I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to breathe in life into you, and I'm going to pull out things out of you guys that is going to make a massive difference, so get ready. That's the way we're reading that. And then it says this, and this is, this is where it really gets going. He says, he says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Come on, you guys. Is that not talking about a scent? Stretch your your tent curtains wide? There's another church around that's got curtains like we've got them. We should stop right there and go, oh my gosh, it's a scent church. No other church can claim this passage, just us, because we got curtains. We knew there was a reason for curtains. It says this. It says Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. He's saying your tent has got these cords that you stretch out, and he's going, lengthen those cords. See what I can do when you stretch those things out wide, when you stretch them out further than you thought you should go, when you stretch them out further than your church thought it would go, and see what would happen. When we look back at 2018, we had no idea that the cords would be stretched as wide as they were. And it was because people stepped in courageously to what the Lord was inspiring them to do. 
Man, we didn't know that we would, the cords would be stretched into Cuba and that people would go there and, and be blessed and be able to bless other people as well and relationships would be established with a pastor there. We didn't know that the cords would be stretched that far. And who knows what's going to happen from that. We didn't know that, that, that the cords would be stretched so far that we'd be reaching hundreds of families with a, with a toy drive. You know how that got started, that toy shop that we did in, in, in December? One person, one person in this crowd of people sat there and she, 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 the, the Holy Spirit was inspiring her, pulling out of her courageous steps, and she's going, I just want to ex- extend dignity to people that deserve to be, to, to dignity to be extended to them. And she shared that, an individual shared it with some more people, and those people rallied around it too and said, this is a great idea. And then an entire church rallied around it. And then hundreds of people, 320 kids are blessed. Because someone stretched your cord out, stretched it out further. And got to see what God was going to do when that happens. Man, we didn't know, we didn't know that there was a trailer park in Federal Heights. Some of you guys knew that. We didn't know there was a trailer park in Federal Heights that God was going to bless and that God was going to use and that we were going to be a part of it through the Chief Hayes Project, the chief of police in Louisville, where at this point, the Louisville was right here and that's what the, our, our, our interaction with the chief of police, that's what we were only doing this. But the cords got stretched out because one person, one person made a connection in this church to a pastor in a trailer park, in a massive trailer park in, in, in Federal Heights. And now we have a relationship with Billy Bear, a proud Native American that is standing up for the rights of those people and we're we are working with them and who knows where that's going to go. We didn't know that was going to happen. And people would say, you shouldn't go there. That's 25 minutes away. That's not part of your backyard. Man, you start thinking about that and you go, come on. Do you think Jesus would have gone, yeah, don't go over there. That's a 20-minute donkey ride. Let's just stick right around here. He'd, he'd go, are you crazy? We know we got to stretch it out wide because God's got something in store as we stretch it out wide. Do you know that, that we're one of the few churches that have grown this last year? Do you know why we grew this last year? A big reason was because some of you guys, a lot of you guys, stretch your cords out wider and you, you invited somebody. When we hear of a new person that has come to ascent, almost always they say it's because of the really cool sign we've got out front. No, it's not because of that. <laughs> they say it's because they were invited. Because they were invited. Because somebody said this is worth stretching this out further. And who knows what the Lord's going to do. But I'm going to follow through with God breathing into me, bringing out this stuff, having people around me that's going to, that's going to help me in this, and we're going to make something powerful happen. What's 2019 got in store for us? What is it? What's God want you to do to stretch your cords out further? What's God want us to do as a church to reach as far as we possibly can? Is it, is, is it Cuba for some of you? We're going to do a spring break trip to Cuba. We're going to let you guys know about that next week. Is that what it's going to be for some of you? Is it going to be that, that relationship that you have with a friend at work that you're finally going to have that conversation? 
Is it going to be that neighbor that you're going to say, you got to come to a women's gathering here at the church. I don't care if you don't go to church. You're going to come to that. You're going to love it because people are, you're going to get to know some people. Is it going to be uh, starting a, a, a beer on tap conversation with a bunch of dudes at work where you're going to get together and you're going to talk about life, really life? What's it going to be that's going to stretch the cords out as far as we possibly can and see what God has in store when we do? And that would be living inspired. And then it says this, it says, now dig those stakes down deep. Dig them down deep. So stretch the cords wide and dig the stakes down deep. When we look at digging deep, we're just thinking, one, what digging deep is recognizing the presence of God, that he is actually here and reminding us ourselves of that. In your, in your living situation, in your family, here at church, reminding ourselves God is present so for that reason, we can walk with confidence in what we're going to do. Digging our stakes down deep is saying, and I want to know this Jesus. We're not going to live pridefully and say, well, I learned about Jesus 20 years ago. That's for a newcomer. But to go, no, I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to keep, I want to dive deeply into who is Jesus in my life. And then we want to share it together. Because God doesn't want us to live this life alone. God wants us to share it together. You need people around you that are going to encourage and push and correct and challenge and pour grace on you when you need to have just grace poured on you. We need people around. That's driving the stakes down deep. Why do we have to drive stakes down deep? Because you know what happens to a tent when there's no stakes. You know what happens. Jackie and I learned that. We rarely camp. But when we did one time, we came back, there was no stakes on our tent, and the tent wasn't there. You just know. It just gets blown over. It gets blown five tent things away. I don't know what you guys call it. it, what is it? I don't know. It got blown away. And, and, and that's what happens when the stakes aren't going deep. Jesus says this. He says the, the, the storms, it's not if storms come, it's when storms come. Storms are going to come. And when they do, our stakes deep into the soil of God's love and truth. When we go through some of the, the hard stuff that might happen this next year, when you go through it as a family, when we go through it as a church, you know, we're building that building that's out there. And who knows what will happen this year with that building. Who knows how long it will take. You know, we, we, can, we can think and prepare for what it's going to take. It might take way longer. We're going to prepare as much as we can financially. It might cost more. We're going to be going this direction. We might have to turn and go this direction. And we can fear that. Or we can dig down deep into the soil, put the stakes down deep, and trust that God is present there and that God will inspire us in the midst of those, those things. We got we to gotta, we gotta live with those stakes in the ground. We got to push them as deep as we possibly can. Because here, and here's what he says. Here's what happens when you do. He says, okay, where's that? What does he say? He says this. He says, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. He says, don't hold back. He says, don't be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Don't fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. See, he's saying, man, don't be afraid. Don't be a church that's afraid. Don't fear disgrace. Take that breath in. Let him bring out in you the gifts that he's given you. See what that might do. And he is saying, 
Go for it. Don't hold back. What would it look like if we were a church that did not hold back? What would it look like? What would it look like if we were truly a church on a hill that was the light for this entire community? What if a group of people got together and were taking in God's breath and breathing it out and gifts were were shared? What would God do with that? What if he took a thousand, a couple thousand people that were committed to that? What would he do in our area? You guys, nine miles away is 28,000 college students. 28,000. Less than like 500 of them are involved in college ministries. That means the percentage that are not is, is it's like an unreached people group. And that's nine miles away. What if we stretched our cords out as wide as they could and saw what God's going to do on that campus next year because we're going to live inspired? What would it look like if we're on the side of the hill? We're the light on the side of the hill. What would it look like in our schools when we bless teachers and we bless kids and, and they say we need backpacks. What if we gave them 10,000? What if we shocked them with the generosity that we've got? What would it look like if we stretched the cords out as wide as they could and we dug as deep as we could? What would that look like in your workplace? What would that look like in your family? What would that look like with your neighbor? If you're saying, this is it. No holding back. God's breathing into me. And I'm going to do something powerful with it. And I am part of a group of people that can't wait to do something powerful with it. And that's what God is saying for each one of us. That's what he's challenging us with. That's what he's breathing into us with. Erwin McManus, let me give you one last thing. Erwin McManus says this. He says, one of the mysteries of the first century movement, the first century church, was that it was both unifying and expanding at the same time. Every single day the church expanded. It grew outwardly, reaching new people and bringing new complexity to the situation. And at the same time, the church is described as growing together with common purpose, common values, common vision, a common movement. Their hearts were wrapped around the heart and values of God. Their minds are being shaped by the mind and perspective of God. If we did that, we might, we might meet what Jesus is calling us to meet together. That we, he was hungry and we gave him something to eat. He was thirsty and we gave him something to drink. He was a stranger and we invited him in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Living out just what he's saying has been put right in front of us. We want to be an inspired church. It's following the train down the track wherever God wants us to go with confidence that he's present. And we'll breathe it in. We'll live it out. 
because he's blessed us with it and he's given us people to encourage us in it. What's that look like for you? What's that look like for us as a church? Father, we pray. We pray that you would help us to live inspired lives. God, I don't want to take for granted. I don't want to, I don't want it to look, I don't want to, um, I don't want it to think about you breathing life into me as anything, as anything little. You've breathed life into me. God, help me to, to take full advantage of that life that is truly life. Help each one of us, no matter what our situation has been before, but today to live that out. God, may our church be an inspired church following you wherever you have us to go. It's in your name we pray. Amen.